interesting when you're talking about risk because when I thought about risk, most people think about supply chain risk and they think about disruptors. So an economic disruptor, COVID, you know, and that's where procurement tends to focus on those types of things. My role is actually to ensure we have an ethical supply chain because there's a risk associated with that too. Welcome to Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground, where we talk about supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity with everyone from academics, historians, and business leaders. With your hosts, Chloe Guidry-Reed and Adam Moore, you'll hear inspiring stories and practical tips for overcoming challenges and gaining insight into supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity. Let's dive in. This episode is brought to you by Higher Ground. Higher Ground is a technology company whose mission is to bridge the wealth gap through access to procurement opportunities. Higher Ground is making the enterprise ecosystem more viable, profitable, and competitive by clearing the path for minority-led, women-led, LGBT-led, and veteran-led small businesses to contribute to the global economy as suppliers to enterprise organizations. For more information on getting started, please visit us at higherground.io. That's H-I-R-E-G-R-O-U-N-D.io. Now on to the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. You're joined again by your two favorite hosts. I'm Adam Moore here once again with Chloe Goodry-Reed. And joining us today is Sarah Bodson, the Director of Supplier Corporate Responsibility and Risk at Relics Group. Sarah has a plethora of experiences in a wide variety of leadership roles and has been a key part of Relics' Supplier Diversity Program for several years. Welcome to the show, Sarah. It's so great to have you on with Chloe and I this morning. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yes, Sarah, we're so happy to have you. So to jump in, tell us a little bit about Relax Group. I mean, for I mean, it's not a necessarily a household name. So for our listeners who may not know exactly what you guys do, please, please share. With I'm us. in corporate America and I can't tell you what they do. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe if you're in corporate Britain, you will say that yes. much. <laughs> yes, yes. Relax is a UK based company. Uh, mm-hmm. We are the parent company to LexisNexis Legal, LexisNexis with Solutions, Read Exhibitions, Scientific and Medical Technology. We provide business solutions to all those markets through various platforms that we own. Um, and we actually own Comic-Con, oh. Oh. the globe, everywhere except for LA, but yes, so... It's one of our largest conventions. So we're a very diverse organization. Yes, yes. And anybody who's traveled to any convention knows the LexisNexis group, knows a lot of these firms. So that's absolutely amazing. So you're my new best friend from here on out, Sarah. I will be, <laughs> I, I'm one of those guys like to go straight to the top. So here yes, we go. Right. Okay, one hand washes the other. How's that? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so Sarah, when, you've, when you're at the parent company level, how... Do you guys go about thinking about supplier diversity when you've got all these different brands underneath you? Well, we have a centralized global procurement group and I sit within the centralized group. So in terms of supplier diversity, we're managing it at a corporate level, Mm -hmm. um, looking at spin across all of those divisions. But I also support them individually. Uh, Lots of our businesses have government agreements, government contracts, and Mm -hmm. just in general now, the climate, the landscape 
a lot yeah. more businesses are really putting a lot more focus on supplier diversity. So within our yeah. four businesses, they had no idea we had a supplier diversity program. Uh-huh. And now <laughs> they are all my best friends. Oh, so yes. That is good. a tune we all know so well on this show. Yes. We have yes. a supplier diversity program. Yeah. Like, yes. Yeah. You so. have for years. Congratulations. Yeah. So. <laughs> nice. Great. But yeah, so I support across the umbrella, not any individual business. That is wonderful. So when we talk to supplier diversity managers, I would say, Chloe, and correct me if I'm wrong, probably a majority of the ones that we've talked to have been domestic, right? I know myself, I yeah, work with right. just domestic firms, right? That's just where our footprint is, blah, blah, blah. You, though, sit at the international level. So I would love for you to talk a little bit about the difference between a domestic or onshore only supplier diversity program. And then the complexities of a global program like you're running right now. Right. It's interesting because we've just started to look at this outside of the U.S. within the past two years. Um, so we focus primarily in the U.S. And the main reason is that supply diversity has been established in the U.S. for decades. Now. Right. right. So there the are 70s. certified mm-hmm. boards, yeah, that you can go yep. out and can identify the suppliers. It's very different on a global level because mm. it, each country has different definition of a minority and Mm. they didn't have certified boards. So the challenge globally is identifying diverse suppliers. I Mm. imagine here in the U S is a challenge, but it's even greater challenge outside. So we've recently partnered with MSD UK, which is minority supplier diversity UK. Um, Mm. They are certifying board. We're also working with, we connect um, the one um, minority globally, it's women. So you can always say every country. <laughs> we have a women. common thread. There it is. That's well, I mean, I hate thread. to say it. I mean, because we are women. No, no. And so, of course, we have a presence yes. and, an, no. and we're organized at every corner. And, and even as the one sole guy in this conversation, I can see <laughs> that, too. I mean, that's, just, you know, that's and it's, it's a true fact. I mean, if you look historically, globally, that is probably the one. I'm going to say constant minority group across yes. all nations, Red. nationalities, yeah. religions, blah, 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 that there is. Right. Mm-hmm. So it, that kind of makes sense that we connect as kind of the international organization. Right. Absolutely. So that's where we it's a challenge because mm-hmm. as every supplier diversity organization that you guys talk to, we're understaffed. Um, yes. So it's really a yes. challenge to, you know, really promote the program when you're a team of one, as I am. Um, what I've learned to do is to really, you know, establish partnerships um, yes. throughout the organization. Yeah. We have a supply diversity working group and we have members from all across the organization and we meet quarterly and we talk about initiatives, how I can support them. I'm so involved in RFPs right now that I'm just <laughs> ready to scream. Um, and the big thing I've learned is to align myself with the employee resource groups. We have an extremely strong employee resource um, network, extremely strong globally. Our organization is strong commitment to uh, responsibility, responsibility, excuse me, uh, ethically uh, managing our businesses. And 
those groups have a lot of events that um, they reach out to both in the community and outside of our organization. So for instance, we're having um, next month is um, inclusion and diversity month. And we have a conference that's coming up and I have a session during the conference so that I can educate folks both internally and externally about our program. I love that. that. I love that. And Sarah, I want to dive into that just a little bit more Mm. because, you know, you brought up really good points. You know, you're a team of one and you, but you've been able to get so much support internally. And I think a lot of our listeners um, struggle with that, you know, Mm -hmm. because they spend a lot of their time sourcing suppliers, you know, doing a lot of external efforts, attending engagement events, but talk about, can you share with us how important it is to really, you know, get your internal stakeholders around what it is that you're doing so you can get the extra support that you need and how you kind of went about getting their buy-in around supplier diversity? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's critical. Yeah. I, yeah. I am fortunate to sit under the global procurement team. So we've been able to align their KPIs to include uh, supplier diversity. So yeah. like a lot of other companies, they're required to include diverse suppliers and all bidding opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, we are committed to increasing that year over year. So that's one way. The other, as I said, the uh, ERG groups and our corporate responsibility group. So mm-hmm. we align mm-hmm. a lot. Um, and the big thing is, I think, I think about 10 years ago when I first got into this area, someone very well-known person in supplier diversity said, don't align yourself with corporate responsibility because Mm. people are going to think you're warm and fuzzy and they're not going to think that there's a business reason for it. And so I kind of followed that mantra and I went out with the, you know, innovation, cost savings, all that stuff that procurement people talk about. But I really wasn't getting a strong message out there because procurement in terms of onboarding new suppliers in general have very difficult time, let alone, you know, trying to introduce some of these smaller suppliers with no experience with the business. So it was really important for me to be able to get the word out beyond procurement to their stakeholders so that their stakeholders can raise it. So a lot of that's been done through internal and external communications on like we social network. We have events that we actually push out through there as well. And I think you just briefly touched on something which I think is vitally important for our listeners to hear. And that is the risk that's introduced to our supply chain right? You're a mighty team of one. Uh, I've got a little bit bigger team than that, but it's not by much. And we are still running from thing to thing to thing. And, you know, when I, when I work with suppliers, you know, I tell them all the time, I was like, there is this one motivational poster and I'm not a motivational poster kind of guy, but there's this one I love because I think it totally typifies our small and diverse suppliers, right? And you are standing behind a kitten and the kitten is looking into a mirror and the kitten sees a lion. But the viewer of the poster still sees the kitten. And I'm like, that's you guys, right? That's my small and diverse suppliers. My small and diverse suppliers are the kitten that see the mighty lion ready to take on the international global company because they know they can deliver. But as supplier diversity professionals, we have to have a real view, right? And we have to stand behind the kitten and go, yeah, you're going to be there one day, but today you're still the kitten. So let's work here and get you to the lion. Right. So talk to us about that risk. I don't think everybody and they've heard Chloe and I say it time and time again. So like anybody else, it's going to sound better coming from someone else like Sarah. 
talk to us a little bit about supply chain risk and why this sometimes can be a barrier to entry for small and diverse suppliers trying to get into a large global top five flag company. Yeah, it's it's a challenge because there are some unconscious biases when it comes to diverse suppliers. They think they're all small and they can't handle, right? And, you know, they're going to be more expensive, which is makes me laugh every time because I was a procurement person. I was like, no, that's just the opposite. <laughs> and that they're more agile. I tell that to them all the time. I'm like, you're looking for savings and I'm trying to lead you to them. Stop fighting. Right. Stop fighting me. Stop fighting me. But, you know, I think, well, we're looking at this in two ways. One is looking at our internal supply base. We have quite a few diverse suppliers that are working with one of the four businesses and they may not be working across those businesses. So we're looking to leverage that internal, um, what is it, uh, validation so that others will feel more comfortable with them. So we're looking to increase spend with our existing suppliers, but we're also looking to onboard new suppliers. And that is where it becomes a challenge. And that's one of the reasons we've added the KPIs to the procurement teams. You know, I have a supplier registration portal that they can access. We have access to WeBank and MSDC. They often will come to me with some requirements and I'll sit down with them as a procurement person. I put my procurement hat back on and we could sit and talk about, you know, the advantages of adding this um, supplier. It's not any different than any other supplier in that sense. It's like it's very difficult to bring on those suppliers. But one of the things I do know is that, you know, we're talking about the big contracts when you're getting both procurement involved. There's so many engagements at a local level that, you know, our businesses can be reaching out to. And that's what I'm really trying to encourage, like grow at a small level within the company. And then you can become one of those established suppliers. And then I can help push you across the large organization. Exactly. And that's got to be difficult being a team of one, right? Because I know in where, where I sit, just trying to do local engagements and, and that type of thing is a monstrous task. And there's several of us trying to work on it. But yeah, I can't even imagine what that task looks like at a global level with one person. Yeah, it's it's difficult. And that's, again, why we have the working groups. Um, I have yeah, the nice. full support of global procurement, but it's still, you know, we're still struggling. There's so much I want to do that I'm still not able to do mm-hmm. because I am a team of right. one. So I would like yep. to do more outreach. I would personally like to do more training. Oh, yeah. But I just, I, I'm not there yet, but I'm hoping very soon. Hoping. I'm not giving up. <laughs> I was about to say, I guess sometimes as supplier diversity professionals, we have to look at the mirror too and go, hmm, maybe I'm still the kitten. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely still the kitten. <laughs> <laughs> but realizing that the work you guys do is so important and so vital. Thank and you. just, thank you know, you. as a small business, I just want to say thank you. I know I can, I hear these challenges week after week, and it's just, it just seems like it's never ending. And, yeah. but the work you guys do is so important. But I think the observation I'm seeing, right, is, and we've talked to several people inside, outside organizations. When you guys are looking at supplier diversity and you're trying to put together a program or you're trying to bolster your program, you've got to look outside your HR department. And I know some people just are, now the hate comments are coming, but listen to me. Supplier diversity is a different animal inside your overall DEI structure, right? And we're talking to businessmen and women. You have to have somebody with an operational background to have those conversations, procurement, purchasing, AP, something where they understand the put 
bits and takes of the contracts, how it works, and the obstacles that come along in doing that, right? Your, your, your supplier diversity professionals have to have some sort of operational background, or if you don't have that, have a development program where you take somebody out of HR, put them into strategic supply chain for a year, and let them get that experience and then come into it. But I think, you know, and I can hear it in the way Sarah is talking about this. I was like, yes, these are the types of supplier diversity professionals that will make a difference. And then you've improved your overall reputational risk. Let's talk about another risk that corporate America loves, right? Because now you have people talking the good game and it's not all rainbows and unicorns and we're going to hold hands and this is going to be a great trip together, right? Because those of us that come with an operational background guy, this is great. Let's talk reality. You're itty bitty. We're monstrous. If I was to give you a contract, I'd put you under inside six months because the weight of trying to support us would put you out of business as backwards as that sounds. Right. And we have to be able to have those conversations and then back it up. It's not enough just to say it. You just have to back it up. Absolutely. Absolutely. I totally agree with everything that you just said. It's interesting when you're talking about risk because when I thought about risk. Most people think about supply chain risk and they think about disruptors. So an economic disruptor, COVID, you know, and that's where procurement tends to focus on those types of things. My role is actually to ensure we have an ethical supply chain because there's a risk associated with that too. And not just your reputational risk. Um, I read somewhere about millennials who are all in the workforce. And one of the things that they really care about is, is social responsibility, the environment, um, you know, fair wages, fair treatment. All of those things are very important and they are a huge risk. Our board of directors is very, very um, supportive of this. And it's a very important, you know, topic or area for us every year. I can tell you about my board meetings every year. <laughs> and, but, you know, that's good because I know that the commitment is true. You know, it may be a, a lot of pressure on me, but the commitment is strong. It's really there. And we publicly state these things on our website. We've made public commitments. In addition to that, we are signatories to the UN Global Compact. So the 10 principles of the Global Compact is what we've modeled our supplier code of conduct on. So each of those principles is reflected in our supplier code of conduct. We ask the supplier to sign that, and we expect them not only to live up to that commitment, but to display it in their workplace. So risk is, yeah, it's not typically what you would think of when you think of supply chain risk, but there's a huge no, risk there. But I love this, and I'm going to rip this off from you. You said we must have an ethical supply chain. Yes, I, that is now going to become that. one of my new tenants in my speaking points. That is amazing. Yeah, which, which leads me to another question that I think we kind of maybe grazed over, but can you talk a little bit about y'all's mission? Because yes. I think if we hear a little bit about the mission, then it might you know, help us understand why there's so much, you know, in terms of just the code of ethics and making sure that there's transparency around your supply chain. That's good to say about the transparency because I can get it. You know, our mission is in a nutshell, maintain an ethical supply chain. And that is to mm -hmm. ensure that our suppliers are living up to the same standards that we've set for ourselves. And we monitor that in certain ways. Um, so we actually have, and this is my other hat, so I'm really just half into supplier diversity. <laughs> we oh monitor our supplier. Not even a full person. No, not a half person. a person. I get you. <laughs> but um, we actually perform audits on our suppliers and 
bringing those audits, mm-hmm. it addressed all 10 principles in that code. And a local auditor will go out to a facility. Um, they actually tour the facility. They look at the uh, paperwork. They interview employees just to make sure that, you know, they're, they're living up to our standards. And if they don't, then we work with them and we um, institute a corrective action plan. So during the corrective action plan, they would have to make changes. We have certain things that we call zero tolerance findings. So if um, mm. there's child labor found, it, it's mm. a done deal. <laughs> Either, you know, you yeah, can't we'll work with in. you anymore. Yeah. That's yeah. Done deal. Yeah. But we have some others that would fall into the major and we give them a certain amount of time, three months to go out and remedy the situation. And I'm really mm-hmm. proud to say that we've had a big impact. I've had suppliers who nice. have installed entrances and exits so that their employees can surf, safely enter and leave the building, um, move wow. to new locations. So it's, yeah. I think everybody wants to do the right thing and no one's little matter. Most people want to do the right thing. They're not like intentionally doing these things. They're following local customs and practices and we help them get a, away from that and help them and hopefully have a bigger impact in that community. I love that. I love that. So when you talk about just, um, you know, just how you guys work with suppliers, you know, how important is it to have good, a good supplier diversity system to just the overall well-being of companies? You can talk specifically maybe about your company, but just how do you, how do you in, in your mind just envision, you know, how the importance of that for any organization? Well, it's important because it's important to have diversity and inclusion, you know, in your in your organization and outside your organization as well. But I think where I struggle and I've seen others struggle is, you know, just having the right processes in place, being able to communicate it out. Communication is so key um, because in order to get that buy-in, you really have to let people know that, you know, there's a mechanism for even identifying these suppliers. So like I said, we've got lots of processes in place. Our procurement team is trained on, you know, including diverse suppliers. But I do struggle sometimes because, you know, I'm on LinkedIn and I'm inundated with diverse suppliers and I'd love to work with every last one of them, but I can't. So sometimes Mm -hmm. it's very frustrating for me because I I can't get them into this organization, but I would love to be able to help them in general. So trying to, you know, develop a network with other supplier diversity professionals so that we can actually help them collectively, because the reality is, you know, there's only a certain number of new suppliers you can onboard. We've got 20,000 suppliers across the organization. (laughs) Procurement doesn't manage them all, but yeah. So it's trying to get that tail and there's a lot of opportunity in that tail. And that all comes down to um, working together, outreach both internally and externally to make sure you have the right candidates. And a good vetting process is another issue that I have. The vetting process. Yeah. You know, it's, I recommend suppliers, but I'm not necessarily bad at them. And that's the worst thing that I could possibly do is recommend a supplier that doesn't meet the requirements. So that's another, you know, obstacle. And one of the things I say that you should do is work closely with the stakeholder and the procurement. And Sarah, that's an excellent point that I think our suppliers need to hear again, right? Because what they don't realize is that if they show up and they don't show out, They've now represented the entire 
the entire diverse community. Mm-hmm. Right. Because that's the impression my service manager now has. Yes. yes. Right. And I tell people this all the time. It's like, look, you and I are going to have to have a very long relationship. We're going to have to have several conversations because I don't put anybody in front of a service manager that I would not stand behind and go, yes, I know this is a quality person. Yes. I know they have followed through. Yeah. Um, and so that's half the game too. And, and, and people need to realize that is when we put you in front of an RFP in front of a service manager, make an introduction, our personal political stake inside that company is now put behind you as well too. Mm-hmm. And if you don't show up, then we've lost political capital. And Sarah and Chloe and myself will tell you time and time again, mm-hmm. our political capital is what helps get suppliers in the door, right, wrong, or indifferent. Right. That's just how it is. Yeah. Right. So don't think that, you know, we're not wanting to help you, but we've got to, in our own minds and the way we vet, and every manager is different on how they vet people in uh, their process, mm-hmm. but it's all leading to the same thing. And that is, I got to make sure whoever I put forward shows up well, because this is the stepping stone. And if this one does well, then I can take another step and another step and mm-hmm. another step. So realize if you get introduced inside a, a firm, you're part of a stepping stone of a much larger plan that we're trying to maneuver our firms towards. Absolutely. So we're going back to reputational risk again, but yeah, Sarah, that's an awesome point. So thank yeah. you so much for illuminating that. And part. I just want to add to that because you said, make sure you show up and make sure you actually show up because I've had suppliers <laughs> that were invited and didn't respond. Be honest. If it's not the right, you know, Ooh, engagement for you, yeah. that's fine. But write back and say, you know, this is not in my, but I hope you consider me in the future. Do not ignore an invite. And I've actually had that. Don't ignore an invite. And if you're asked if you can do something and you can't do it, please say no. Yes. Please say no. Yeah. Because I have had situations before where I've asked the supplier, they said, yes. Oh yeah. That's in our scope. They come in and talk to the service manager. It's evident in the first 10 minutes that yeah. this is so far out there scope. It's not even funny. I actually had a situation where I cut a hour meeting short by 45 minutes. Oh my Asked goodness. my service, asked my team to leave the room and then spent the next 45 letting the supplier have it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had a come to Adam moment right there and then because that very situation, right? I bring a whole team in. I've got a yeah. conference room full. Obviously, this supplier didn't know what was up from down, mm-hmm. right? And I'm like, you've, you've ugh, it was bad. Let's yeah. just leave it at that. Yeah. Before and I go then into too from much then on, I have they, I have no credibility. And then it becomes right. Sarah right. has no clue. So yeah. she doesn't have a clue. Exactly. Right. Right. Yeah. So, very important. Well, and I, I, I'm trying to think of a potential solution for some of our small businesses. And I think maybe working with, you know, whoever your internal champion is, maybe you know, showing them the deck in advance, you know, maybe talking to them about what you're preparing to present. And if you're unsure about it, making sure that you, you know, reach out to them in advance. And I would say, I mean, and you guys can, can let us know, but you would welcome something like that because it's helpful for both of you, you know, just to make sure that they're presenting in a manner that's going to be received well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't know. Sarah's position on this, but sometimes in corporate America, you don't have that time, yeah. right? Especially in the financial district. It's like, hey, I got an RFP going out tomorrow because we have an MA from our um, auditor. We got to get it fixed. Mm-hmm. Do you have anybody that can do X, Y, and Z? And that's when we come back to the, it's vital to have a relationship with your supplier diversity manager because I have like five or six firms that I know I can go to. I don't have to show them a deck. I don't have to coach them. I can just say, can you do it? Yes, no. 
boom, put them in front of them. I mean, Sarah, what does that look like for you? I mean, and I'm onshore, you're global. I mean, you probably work with that same time frame. Yeah, absolutely. Or even shorter. No, it's in the morning or in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm launching the RFP in an hour. Yeah, Can you get hour. me somebody? Yeah, give me somebody. Um, and that's where it's very important to maintain our existing supplier diversity base. And those mm. are the folks that have been better. Those are the folks we know they can perform. And those are the folks I can make it come to me and I can say, hey, this Elsevier works with this guy and they do X, Y, Z and they're great. And so that's easier. It's when we don't have anyone and we've had that happen where we don't even have anybody right. in our supply oh, yeah. chain. So trying to yeah. use the registration portal for that and to actually get folks on the portal, actually do some vetting before, you know, reach out to them, find out more about their capabilities and that type of thing and get some um, references um, because it's very important for us in particular, um, my stakeholders, they need assurance, you know, because if they only had an hour to get their RFP out, they, they got something that needs to be done right away. Yeah. So the yeah. more information you put in the portal, the better. I mean, that's, that's why I tell people all the time. But I, I mean, I guess it would be frustrating a bit for some of the diverse suppliers because everybody has a portal and, you know, you don't necessarily see the benefit. But it is being used. It's being utilized. It's just sometimes hard to see as a, I'm sure as a small business flow, you feel that way sometimes. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. The, one of the the final questions I want to ask is just for um, our small businesses. So what type of opportunities do you guys typically have that a diverse supplier or a, or a, or a majority supplier would be interested in? So what type of purchasing and procurement opportunities? And I know that that's a broad question because you guys purchase everything, right? Yeah, and I was going to say everything. <laughs> Even at the local level, but maybe maybe some of the um, non-traditional things that maybe some of our suppliers might not think about, you know, in, in working with your organization. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we purchased so many goods and services. So there's huge opportunities in the marketing space um, because mm. there's so many small marketing agencies. And mm. I actually... I wouldn't have even thought about that. I wouldn't yeah, have even right. thought about marketing. Oh, and um, I've worked in marketing so for years and years and years and years. So I know that there's... there's Things change, especially technology-wise in marketing. There's so many new opportunities. Technology is always another area that we focus on. And then our exhibits group, um, because they do put on mm. lots of conventions and hospitality. Mm. So looking at some of the cleaning for those and even our in-house meetings um, where we use caterers and try to make sure we utilize diverse suppliers. Like I said, nice. we source everything. Um, it's difficult to get into some of the larger IT engagements, but in terms of um, like support services, that's mm -hmm. always an opportunity, especially for mm -hmm. us because we're an information company. So um, anything tech, but I can't, it's almost nothing. I will, you know, I guess we're not going to buy manufacturing equipment or anything like that. Yeah, but, uh, yeah I don't do light manufacturing either. So, I yeah, so <laughs> but it's just all endless. It's just so much that you so mm -hmm. you can't hurt to reach out. I've got all kinds of people in no. my database. You never know. Yeah. I, I say that all the time because I never know what crazy request is going to come across my desk. Yes, absolutely. Well, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for coming yes, on the show, great. Sarah. Great. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you so much. Yes. And be sure to connect with us on LinkedIn yes. at 
Chloe Reed and Adam Moore and yes. Sarah Bozen. And if you enjoyed this episode, please check out our previous shows and stay tuned for the next episode. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for listening to Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. We are grateful for the time you spend with us in participating in these conversations. Please review and rate and share our show as we are focused on growing awareness in the supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity space. If you'd like more information, please visit us at higherground.io. That's H-I-R-E ground dot I-O. Thank you for being here and we look forward to seeing you next week.